we're doing a series on the spiritual disciplines and I'm going to talk about devotional Bible reading today. Um, Cade's message last week was a great introduction. If you didn't get to um, get to that, that session last week, it's online somewhere. Someone will find it for you. Great message. And I love the picture that he put up of the vine being supported like a grapevine growing on a trellis. And what he said was, the trellis is a bit like the spiritual disciplines. So Jesus is our vine and we're the branches and the branches grow along the trellis which are the spiritual disciplines that we put into place in our life. So prayer and Bible reading and attending church and fasting and other disciplines. Leslie was telling me this morning about the discipline of simplicity. So all these disciplines are structures that help our faith and support our faith. We're the branches and helps us to be more fruitful. I thought that was a great picture. He also talked a lot about um, secular people and how secular people view disciplines. For example, athletes. They live often, successful athletes are often extremely disciplined people. And so, you know, the idea of, of putting some structure in your life is not simply a Christian idea. Although the whole sporting analogy falls down a little bit for me, given that I can't kick, throw, catch or run, and I'm a bit unco. Uh, that's why I took up cycling. If you're a bit like me, take up cycling. Anybody can do cycling. But yeah, the sporting analogy falls down a bit for me, so let's switch to a new analogy, food. Food, glorious food. Everyone loves food, right? I'm a bit of a foodie. I like to go around to all the lovely cafes in Canberra, enjoy the cafe culture. I'm one of those annoying people who puts up food pictures on Facebook incessantly and there's a couple of my pictures there that I've got there up on the screen. I'm probably not quite as annoying as I used to be, but you know, food is fun and we've all got our favourites. And usually we don't have any trouble feeding ourselves. We don't have any trouble getting the food down. Unless there's some mental health problem or physical health problem, usually we, if our body says, I'm hungry, we go, sure, I'm going to feed you, no problem. And probably in the West, our greater problem is that we eat too much, we overindulge, we listen to that voice too much. The thing is, there's another voice within us that somehow we shut out because we don't, we're not just a physical person, a physical man or woman, we also have a spiritual man or woman living within us. And that spiritual man or woman is often crying out to us saying, feed me, I'm starving, I'm weak, I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. And yet somehow we shut out that voice. Sometimes our bodies are so well fed, but our spirits are crying out for sustenance. And God calls us not just to feed our, spirit, our physical person, but also to feed the spiritual man. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, says Deuteronomy 8.3. And listen to this passage from Isaiah. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, says God, and you will delight in the richest of fare. That's from Isaiah 55. 
Listen to me, says God. Hear my words and it's going to be like eating what is good. And it's meant to be a delight to our soul. We're going to delight in the richest affair as we listen to God's word and put them in our heart. You know, just think about the most amazing meal that you've had recently. You know, maybe it was a great meal with friends or, you know, someone cooked something amazing and the flavours really worked and, and you're so delighted in that. Well, this is what feeding on the word of God is meant to be like. Delighting in the richest affair. It's not to, meant to be some dreary duty. Here I go. I've got to open my Bible again today. So why is it, why is it that we struggle? Why is it we struggle with that, that discipline? I think there's a few things that are at play that cause us to struggle. You know, partly is the struggle against our lazy flesh. Our flesh would rather do things with the body than with the spirit. But, you know, our adversary has a vested interest in us remaining spiritually weak and spiritually undernourished. We can't do the things that God has called us to do if our spiritual man or spiritual woman is undernourished. And so that enemy, the devil, will do everything he can to stop us feeding our spirit. So we need to spend some time and like to spend some time this morning encouraging each other in this discipline of devotional Bible reading, feeding our inner man. How did Jesus put it? I think I only read this a a couple of weeks ago, the last time I was here, this passage from John chapter 6. I'm just going to read selected verses. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and who believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And here's a key bit. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So this is this weird passage that people struggled with back when Jesus said it and lots of people stopped following him after that. Um, You know, what is he talking about? Yeah, sure, in part it's a a reference to his um, sacrifice on our behalf, his broken body and his shed blood that we partake in by faith and are so made right with God. But I think there's another layer to this passage And I think the key there is in that verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, there's this intimate relationship between Jesus and the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So we can have that same intimacy Jesus has with with the Father as we feed on Jesus, feed on the word of God. He makes this reference to manna. It's a bit like the manna thing that happened. You know, the people of Israel came out of Egypt and God miraculously fed them through this this fluffy bread stuff that came down from heaven. The thing with the manna was you couldn't save it up for the next day. You could only eat it on the day it came. If you stored it up, it would go off. 
This is a daily thing. So feeding on Jesus has got to be a really ongoing, regular thing that we do. One, one taste of Christ isn't going to be enough to see us through the whole week. We need to be feeding on him regularly. Of course, feeding on Jesus is also different from eating manna in that those who ate manna still in the end died. But the promise of the grace of God is that we will have eternal life as we feed on Christ. So this passage is about so much more than just the juice and the, um, the wafer that we, we use to remind us of his sacrifice. This is this ongoing feeding process that God wants to, to help us to get into relationship with Christ and be feeding on his word in this process. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, says Jesus. So how are we going to overcome these obstacles to really learning to feed on Jesus every day? How do we actually do this eating thing if it's more than just about having communion? I've got three things I want to address that I think might help us to get a little bit more disciplined in this area of spending time with Jesus in his word. Firstly, don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. It's a meal of bread, simple and satisfying and wholesome. You know, it's not some sea urchin row feeding epic. My, my son has a Japanese cooking book and it's got very complicated recipes in it and one called for sea urchin row. I don't know where you get that in Canberra. But, you know, they're the sort of recipes that you might do once a year. You've probably got some favourite recipes that you bring out for a dinner party, but you certainly don't make them every day. They're just way too much trouble. Feeding on Jesus doesn't have to be complicated. It's a meal of bread. It's simple and wholesome. You sit somewhere quiet. You ask Jesus to feed you through his word. You mull over it. You pray over it and it becomes part of you. So don't overcomplicate it. Secondly, I think sometimes we can be looking for an emotional experience. Every time you go and sit down with Jesus, you don't feel some kind of spiritual goosebumps. You think, well, that didn't work. That was a waste of time. Eating can be an emotional thing. If you have a lovely meal with friends, you can go away feeling really happy. Yeah, that was cool, that was fun. But there are other times when you come home from work and you're tired and you don't have time to cook anything, you get some leftover rice out of the fridge, you throw in some frozen veggies and you heat it up and you eat it. And it probably doesn't make you feel super happy, not like when you had your friends over. And you don't go away and say, oh well, that rice and those veggies, they, they didn't nourish me, it didn't work because I didn't feel good about it. No, you know the food works. You know that's how food works. You put it in and it nourishes you. And the same with the word of God, even more the word of God. The word of God who says, you know, I will accomplish what I desire through my word. And when you take the word of God into your heart, even if you don't feel some kind of emotional experience with it, it is working and it is feeding you, is feeding your inner man. I did say before, you know, it's, this is a delight, not a dry and de dreary duty. And it will become a delight to you. Baby, just not in that moment. It will become a delight. 
You know, some of the parts of the Word of God are hard and they're not exciting right in the moment. They're actually hard. But they are what you need to nourish your soul, nourish your inner man. I'm kind of just being here today to tell you to be your mum and say, eat your veggies. Eat all the Word of God. It's good for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to strengthen your spirit. Your spirit is going to rise up as you feed it and become all that God has called you to be. Thirdly, I want to give you a very simple system that I use, a very simple structure that I use all the time for feeding on the Word of God if you don't have one. Now, you might already have a great system that works for you. Well, please, don't, don't switch. Keep using what you're using. If it works, use it. And maybe you can share at the end or maybe share over lunch what, what you use. How do you actually get into the Word of God? But my experience is that some people just don't have a system. They just don't know what they're supposed to do. You know, the pastor gets up and, said, gets up and says, are you in the word? And they don't know what that means. What does that Christian phrase mean? Are you in the word? You know, it's a little bit, little bit vague. So I use this little acronym RSVP. RSVP. So um, it's like replying to a wedding invitation. You say, yep, I'm going to be there. Well, the first step is you've got to make a date with Jesus and you say, yep, I'm going to be there. I don't think there's any particular time of day that's more holy than any other time of day. A lot of people like to get up in the morning. I love to get up in the mornings. But, you know, there are days when I don't get up in the morning and I set aside a little bit of time at lunch in my lunch break to spend a bit of time with Jesus or after work. You, You do what works for you. But make a date. If you don't make a time, it probably is not going to happen. RSVP. R stands for read. I think we've got that next slide there, Andrew. Thank you. Read from the start of a New Testament book or letter. I just want to make the point that I'm talking today about devotional Bible reading as opposed to Bible study, although there might be an overlap. So when I talk about Bible study, what I'm talking about is gaining a a deeper intellectual understanding of the meaning of the Word of God. So, for example, some people might go to Bible college and learn the Greek and the Hebrew, like like Cam, or might go to interns and get more in-depth study there. Or if you're dressed on your own, you might be um, reading through a commentary alongside reading a book of the Bible or simply discussing in LifeCom the meaning of different passages. I would would describe that as Bible study and that's absolutely important. Just because it's an intellectual process doesn't mean it's not spiritual. It's actually foundational and I'll show you how it fits in in an example at the end. But that's still not devotional Bible study as I understand it. So Christians throughout the ages have, have had this practice of feeding on the Word of God, bringing it actually into their heart and, and making it a part of them. You'll, you'll see if you read any of Martin Luther's writings, he had a, his own little acronym, uh, something very similar. Um, some people talk, call it praying through the Bible or meditating on the Word of God. But I just call it devotional Bible study. Um, so the reason I say read from the start of a New Testament book or letter is that this process of devotion is going to work better in the New Testament because in the Old Testament you're going to need to do a lot more Bible study to get the understanding so that then you can go and use the Old Testament for devotion as well. So start at the beginning of a New Testament book or letter. Just pick one. If you don't know what to pick, pick Matthew 1, chapter 1. 
So the next step, so RS, S stands for skip. Skip the bits you don't understand. Now all the Bible scholars are going to be freaking out when I say this, but once again I'm saying I'm talking about devotional study. So, so the bits that you don't understand, they're for your actual Bible study, not your devotional reading. So you might make a note of them, go back to them later, but you read through and if there's parts that you don't understand, just keep going. Just don't stop there. But stop the next slide at a verse that somehow grabs your attention or somehow inspires you or somehow speaks to you. And when you stop at that verse, begin to pray over that verse. Bring, bring uh, your prayers to God, whatever brings, that verse brings to mind. So, you know, praising God for who he is, if that's what the verse is about. Asking God to help you to reflect that characteristic in your life. Bringing to him things that you struggle with in relation to that verse. It becomes then um, turning the word of God into prayer. And turning the word of God into this meditation on your life. And it's taking the word of God into your heart and feeding on the bread of life. So can you see how it's different from just studying it to gain an intellectual understanding? It's actually taking it in and making it food, allowing Jesus in that moment through those verses to be the bread of life to you. Now you might find several verses in your time of of reading that speak to you and you keep praying over each one of these verses. Maybe it's only one verse. Maybe you pray and then your time is up and then the next day, you just take, off, take over again where you left off. Um, pray. Yeah, so that's, that's right. I, I haven't flicked to the next slide, Andrew, which is pray, but that's all good. I just explained that one. So let me give you an illustration of what you might do. So say you don't have a system of, of any kind of devotional Bible reading and you want to give this a try. What are you going to do when you get up tomorrow morning or go at lunch in your work lunchtime, wherever it is that you set aside a time? Okay, you don't know where to start, so you're going to start from Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and you start reading through. Guess what you hit? You start off hitting this long genealogy, and so you go, okay, I don't have to understand all this now, I'm just going to read through, read through, read through. There's also quite a lot of narrative text in Matthew chapter 1, so maybe none of that speaks to you. And then you go on to Matthew chapter 2, and I know where I'm going to get hauled up, It's in the story of the Magi, around about verses 10 or 11. And it says that the Magi came to Jesus and they bowed down and they worshipped him. That verse will get me every time because these Magi knew hardly anything about Jesus and yet they became worshippers. And I stop and I say, God, would you help me to be a worshipper like these Magi, just to bow before you? And it says, and then they opened their treasures to him. And I would then be so moved to say, God, would you help me to offer the treasures of my heart to you? And I might begin to pray about the things that I find hard to give over to Jesus and um, pray about situations in my life that are my treasures. Maybe that leads me on to intercession and praying for other people and that's fine. Maybe it doesn't and I have my time of prayer over those verses and I stop. And then the next day I come and, and carry on where I left off. Let me explain to you how Bible study will feed that process. So you've done your devotional Bible study and that's great. You know, you don't have to be a super Bible scholar to do devotional Bible reading. It's for everyone, okay? 
But the more you get into the Word of God in Bible study, it will help you and enrich and feed your devotional life and your time with Jesus. So if I've done a little bit of study of that genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, I discover that there's two women's names in that genealogy. Now that's quite astounding for a patriarchal culture. And I do a little bit of study about the lives of those women and I discover that one woman, Ruth, is a woman who's been through great suffering. And the other woman is Rahab, a a prostitute who's lived a life of sin. And yet their lives are turned around because of their faith in God. And I discover, wow, my past doesn't have to dictate my future. And I can begin then to pray and turn the genealogy into devotional Bible prayer by saying, God, thank you so much for the example of these women. Would you help me to be a woman of faith like these women whose lives are turned around because they trust in you? And so on. Does does that make sense? RSVP. So you make a date with Jesus. You look at your calendar this week and say, when is my time? Where am I going to meet with Jesus in my week? You're going to read something. You're going to read, hopefully, something in the New Testament. You're going to skip the bits that you don't understand for now and go back to them later. And you're going to stop at a verse and pray that verse till it becomes Jesus, the bread of life to you. And then you're going to do that again the next day. And you're going to do it again the next day. Because you don't stop eating, right? Unless you're fasting and you don't have to fast from the bread of life. That's a, that's a cool thing about, about Jesus. You never have to fast. I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit scared about this um, message of Cades on fasting. But that's all good. Um, we're going to get there. So yeah, and pray over those verses and let them become life to you. And, you know, you have a day where it doesn't work out. Your plans go astray and you screw up and you never open the Bible or maybe you don't open your Bible for a few days. Well, let's not get into guilt, okay? Because Jesus doesn't want that. He paid the price for us so that we can be free of guilt. This process isn't to earn his favour. We already have his favour. We can just get up the next day and go, Hey, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I missed that date that we had. Would you please help me and strengthen me? to put this discipline into my life more regularly. Is that all good? Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your life on our behalf, your broken body, your shed blood that has made us right with God forever. We are so thankful for that, God, that we want to learn to walk as you did in intimacy with the Father through our lives. And so would you become the bread of life to us through your word. Would you enliven our times of reading this week, that they would become bread to us, that you would speak to us, that we would listen to you and hear the words that would become the richest of fare to us. And Lord, help us to encourage one another in this process. In Jesus' name. Amen.